St. Louis Alderman Joe Vollmer has a unique perspective on the coronavirus pandemic. In addition to being the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, which handles the city's budget, he's a small business owner who had to shut his doors because of the city's stay-at-home order. The Democrat, who represents the 10th Ward in south-central St. Louis, joins me next on the latest episode of Politically Speaking. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Rachel Littman. And joining me today is my guest. Joe Vollmer, Alderman for the 10th Ward and owner of Milo's Bochy Garden. And uh, Alderman Vollmer is a first-time guest on the Politically Speaking podcast. As we have been for the last several weeks, we're doing this social distancing style. So if you happen to hear trucks, dogs, cats, significant others, background noise, it is because we are not in the usual studio setting. And uh, Alderman Vollmer, tell me a little bit about yourself. You are the first time on the program and you are the 10th Ward Alderman. Um, So I understand that you're a St. Louis native and you've been at the board since 2003. That's correct. I'm... Uh, 61 years old, basically lived in the, the, the Hill area all my life. Uh, my wife and I have been together uh, almost 40 years. Uh, I've owned uh, Milo's since uh, 1989, and I've been on the board, as you say, since 2003. Uh, and uh, it's just a uh, proponent of living in the city, and, and I love city life, and especially uh, the Hill neighborhood where I grew up. And how did you come to be the owner of a bocce bar? Well, first of all, it's bocce. Bocce. <laughs> My apologies. Definitively not Italian over here. <laughs> well, actually, I'm not either, but I just grew up in this neighborhood. It came about, I used to be a musician, play guitar. I used to run a music store called Tower Group Music for a gentleman named Ed Putney. And uh, I, I used to play in bars, and Milo's was one of the bars I played in. And uh, bocce had been absent from the hill for a few years. And uh, as I was playing here one night, I uh, was trying to look for a bar to uh, open bocce courts on. And the owner of the bar at Milo's uh, overheard me and gave me a phone call a few days later. And uh, as opposed to me buying another bar in your neighborhood, asked me if I would want to be partners with him. And uh, in 89, we created a partnership, uh, which uh, he has since retired. And uh, my wife and I own it on our own now. But we put the courts in, uh, we started playing bocce and. Uh, spring of 1990 and uh it's been nothing but fun ever since besides uh the recession in 08 through 10 and the pandemic for the past two months it's been nothing but fun (laughs) and and uh if you don't mind me asking how are you at the game of of bocce i i i consider myself very competent i was probably better in my youth and bocce is one of those games where you actually after you have a few beers you play better or you feel you play better and that's the purpose of it (laughs) You can actually have a beer while you're playing, which makes it the perfect sport. 
Now, those of us who have been around the board for a while um, know that uh, when the board is in session in the, in the chambers, there is a moment of introduction of honored guests. And uh, you have, at least for as long as I have been watching, at the end of most of that, you have some usual trivia that you like to give out. And I am incredibly curious as to how that became your little niche thing that you do. Well, it used to be. There was a gentleman uh, who was always my honored guest, and his name was Fred Steffen. And Fred was a retired clerk of the board. He's one of the reasons I ended up getting involved in the board. He and my father were very good friends, and they, they talked me into it one night after a few beers. <laughs> and uh, Freddie uh, was always there, and I would introduce him, and uh, I would make little asides to his age. You know, I would look up the history of the day and say that maybe – this is the day Columbus uh, discovered America and Freddie was there to welcome him when he walked upon the shores, just as jokes. And it became just, uh, even after Freddie has quit coming to the meetings, uh, Lewis just kept continually calling on me. So it was just uh, something that came out of a, a very good friendship from a very great man, Freddie Stephan, and that uh, has continued on. And now we just make fun of other people. <laughs> Listeners obviously can't see uh, what I'm seeing, but you also like to wear Hawaiian shirts to the Board of Aldermen. Well, when they let me, I wear a suit out of respect for the office. Uh, whenever is necessary, I do have a suit and tie on. Uh, there are certain days we're allowed to dress down or I feel it's uh, appropriate. So I will wear my work togs. Uh, I found out a long time ago when you're playing guitar or uh, Hawaiian shirts are comfortable doing it. And when you're tending bar, they're very comfortable to work in. Uh, and if you put a few pounds on, nobody can tell. <laughs> the question usually is how many do we have? About 300 shirts. And are these genuine, like, Hawaiian shirts from Hawaii, or? No, no they're from everywhere. My wife buys them. I think she's quit buying them. She's tired of tired of them. <laughs> so you have one for almost every day of the year. There, there was a time I did in my, when I was younger, yeah. I've let the, a few of them have become rags or napkins or things. They've worn themselves out. I'll get a few new ones every now and then, but uh, so there's certain certain ones for certain days, but I'm not that obsessed with it anymore like I used to be maybe 20 years ago. So as the owner of Milo's, um, you obviously were impacted by the stay-at-home order. Uh, what's mm -hmm. the current status of the bar? Have you guys taken advantage of being able to open back up? Uh, oh, yes, we have. Yeah, the, the During the shutdown, which I believe was started March 20th, you know, we went to curbside and carry out and uh, that was a, a stress, but it did allow me to keep my cooks working. Uh, some of the cooks, uh, the one guy's been with me 23 years, you know, they all have families and uh, my wife and I and our one nephew uh, basically handle all the other duties. Uh, so we are currently open to the public as of Monday uh, and uh, it's been slow, but better. Uh, there's people slowly coming around and feeling comfortable. We've, taking a lot of uh, things to try and reassure folks. We've, uh, the, when you're behind the bar, if, uh, you're working behind the bartenders work behind a, a wall of plexiglass. Now, every two bar stools has a plexiglass divider. So two people know each other and are comfortable. They can sit next to each other. All our tables are socially distanced at least six to seven feet apart. And at that point, the tables we couldn't, we built uh, plexiglass dividers between those. So it makes you feel comfortable for the inside outside. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I have a very large beer garden and the courts. Uh, currently, you can play. You have to wear gloves to play bocce with only two people on the court. Uh, but the tables, I can seat almost uh, 85 people outside. They're concrete tables, so they can't be moved. We move them all seven feet apart. Uh, 
And uh, so at this point, uh, you can come here and feel safe according to all the, the, the guidelines that we've been given. We've, uh, we have to wear a mask when you walk in or walk around the bar to go to the restroom. And when you leave to make the customer sitting down without mask on feel comfortable. We have hand sanitizers available. Mask, if you don't have mask, we'll, uh, we have masks to give you also. It's a different world, but we're trying to adjust to it. And what was it like when that stay-at-home order came down and the order came from the mayor that restaurants, and I mean, restaurants were ordered to go to carry out before the stay-at-home order even went into effect? Well, that's, you know, it's actually very, you know, heartbreaking. You know, being in this business, we've been through our 31st year, uh, and we're very uh, staple of the neighborhood is what people call us, but it, it's more than just a restaurant and bar. People come here, uh, you know, I have... <laughs> families come here it's tradition for birthdays for graduation weddings we're caddy corner from San Ambrose church during the wedding season which is non-existent right now uh this place is famous for having the bride and groom go out the bochi courts and get their photographer their pictures taken they walk through a lot of people have met here uh that grew up in the neighborhood their children are now eating and drinking with us so it, it's we're more of a way of life with, with the neighborhood residents and uh you know people come from all around the world to see this little neighborhood and we're fortunate that way too. So it's for my wife and I, it was like, what do we do now? Our life is so social with seeing all these people on a daily basis uh, and weekly basis. Some people, they make annual trips here and it's, it's, uh, it's like you're, you're, you know, the bottom drops out, you're, you get sick to your stomach. Or it's not just the, the financial is hard enough, but you know, the way of life being taken away from us, uh, it's, it's such a family oriented neighborhood. And families are, and the neighborhood families are such a part of our lives here. And, and what is that financial impact going to be? Do you think you were able to switch, but that's obviously not people coming in, drinking, playing bocce, you know, spending time there. Do you have a sense yet of um, what you might be looking at in terms of an impact to your business? Well, I, financially, uh, it, it was taking, within the first few weeks, it was taking me 10 to 12 days of carry out and curbside to, to do what I would do on one Saturday this time of year. So financially, uh, it, it's been a, a, a huge, huge jolt. Uh, but what we've done is, you know, we, my wife and I have been paying the cooks. Uh, we're back in, we did apply for PPP funds. We received those. So that's helping with the utilities and uh, with payroll. We're, since we've reopened, I have uh, full staff back on everyone uh, that we, can afford to have, you know, can work as busy as we can get. We'll have them working and hopefully this will turn around. Uh, recovering what we've lost, that, that will never happen. But, you know, you always have to look forward. Uh, you know, not that the, the sound hokey, but the silver lining was during those two months, I got to take a lot of mechanical stuff around here and redo it. Uh, you know, the things that we would never had time to fix, a lot of refrigeration issues and, and, and things and, and repairs. And again, reinvest is what you have to do anytime you're in business. You can't be stagnant. So I looked at it as uh, my wife thought I was completely crazy. We're losing money. So I spent some more money to reinvest. But it, it, when people come back, they've noticed the changes and uh, it, it lets them know that, you know, just the money we spent, the labor we spent just to make it, uh, you know, uh, I guess, to reassure with the plexiglass and the, and the boosts and things, uh, people are, are appreciating our efforts. And, and that's, uh, you know, it's, it's warms your heart. I can sound like a hokey old man, but I am. 
And I've actually noticed too, one of my neighborhood bars uh, took the time to do some upgrades. Actually, a couple of, of neighborhood restaurants of mine did some upgrades. And then for full disclosure, I am a resident of, of your ward. I'm over at Arsenal in Hampton. I, I, have you heard kind of from other business owners that yes, they did take that time to sort of reinvest? Do you think that's going to be kind of a common thing to hear? It, it is, and a lot of people, because uh, in this neighborhood, the, the hill's full of nothing but restaurants, bars, and delis. A lot of people kind of got caught actually in the middle of some major renovations. So they're not they're trying to open up maybe in a few days or a week. They weren't able to open this week uh, because they're you know, new floors, uh, redoing bathrooms. You know, uh, one place actually kind of redid the whole kitchen, which is holding them back up. Uh, I, you know, I went out and reinvested in a new used pizza oven. I used to only be able to cook six pizzas at a time. My new oven, it, it will hold 21 pizzas so I can now accommodate, you know, there, there's things you have to, like they say, every business owner up here has been doing it for quite some time and they're aware that why this was a, a very depressing thing. You, you had a chance to, to rebuild and, and do things that you would never get a chance to do again. Uh, so because of you, to close up five days when everybody else is doing business would, would be devastating. But if everybody's shut down, kind of puts an even, even keel out here. When you did hear that uh, the PPE and some PPE, PPP, the, the federal uh, money for the businesses was available, what were some of the considerations that you weighed in, in whether or not to take it? Was it ever sort of a question that you would take the assistance or did you think it might not be, the strings attached might not be worth it, for example? Well, the, the, the forgiveness factor and trying to abide by it to make it forgivable is the only reason uh, I would even consider it because the... <laughs> They're wanting you to pay it back in two years, uh, even at 1% interest, the payments are, are quite staggering. So, uh, and working with my bank and they, they've actually finally come up with the plan. That's the problem with this, this has been a very fluid situation. The rules have changed daily with, uh, with the PPP funding. Uh, even as we we're getting it, they're finally, the application for forgiveness is not available yet. It's within the next day or two. So there's just been broad guidelines, but I've been working with the bank and making sure that, you know, as I use it, 75% gets used for payroll expenses only. And the other 25% gets used just for utilities or, or interest on a, uh, maybe an outstanding debt. So staying within those guidelines, I'm hoping it works out because if not, I'm being very <laughs> frugal. My, my wife is the most frugal of people who are watching everything and to, to make sure that it's being done. We set separate account for it. You make sure that it's being used right. In a case, it's not forgiven to try and make sure that you have a ability to pay it back. Are you worried at all about your own survival because of this and maybe the survival of other landmarks on the hill as well? Like how much could this change this neighborhood that is so dependent on, you know, the restaurants, the bar life, et cetera? The hill is built on hospitality. You know, it, it's, you know, people come here and, and uh, if you're familiar with the neighborhood, it has until recently when I grew up, it was all this, all these little shotgun houses and uh, there's better housing being built these days, but this neighborhood was built off of people. Uh, you know, their, their attitudes, their love of life, uh, their love of having other people in, you know, the, the, the restaurant industry around here, uh, I believe will survive. I've been trying to keep in touch with them. Uh, every restaurant that I could, when I received the rules, I, I sent them out to them to make sure that everyone could, you know, get open as soon as possible. Because down here, it's not competition between us, amongst us. It's, it's the more the merrier. We all know each other. Uh, you know, if someone needs help, 
uh, it's not out of the question, you know, to borrow something from one guy to, to use a refrigeration to store extra things. Uh, this neighborhood depends, we all depend on each other. There's, there, you can't just have one restaurant here. Everybody wants something different. There's so many choices. And yeah, it was very scary, but I really believe that uh, this, this neighborhood has been around for so long and the people, again, throughout the United States and the world think are, are aware of this neighborhood. And that's due to the food, the cuisine, but mostly Yogi Berra, <laughs> Joker Asiola, and, and, and things like that. Uh, uh, so it, it is, and it is the enclave, and it is an ancestral home. Like I said, my wife's only second generation born. Her grandpa came straight from Italy. Her father was the first born here. And so this, you know, they still own that house that her grandpa moved into in 1890. Uh, so it's, it's people from, they never forget their roots. If you've seen the new piazza that the Nemo family helped put up over there. And everyone couldn't wait to, to help donate to put their name on things because this is, they want, you know, they're so proud. You know, the, the, the model of this neighborhood is pride builds and it continues to this day. Is there anything that you think government at any level, federal, state, local, et cetera, could have done in hindsight, maybe a little bit better to respond? This obviously was not something that could be predicted necessarily, but was there anything that maybe looking forward you hope they consider for the next time there's a huge disruption? Well, I, I'm hoping this is a, a great learning experience for everyone. You know, how long this was going on overseas before it got to here, uh, who knows, uh, but there, you know, at a federal level, I, I would have hoped there might've been a better response initially, but you know, what you kept hearing was, oh, it, you know, it's nothing, the, the flu, influenza does the same thing. Uh, and there was a, a vast thing. There's still a lot of people who believe that. Now, I've, the city, and I've been, been very fortunate, I guess, as far as when you look at what's going on in New York City and, and other, larger places, what's happening here, it, we're, we're, it, it's never fortunate when you have illness and death, but according to the national average, you know, we're, we're I guess, surviving better here. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I believe we were being in the middle of the country, we got to see what happened on the outskirts and we were better prepared at that point. Uh, it's just a shame for what's going on in New York and Washington and, and those areas, but uh, we seem to be adjusting to it. Uh, I haven't seen any large protests like we've seen in Michigan of people, you know, uh, I, I believe the governor, uh, you know, could have done a little more, but uh, maybe not as much as Pritzker. He's going a little overboard sometimes. You know, the city and kind have been working very well together to a certain point. So it's a lot to learn from this and someone should uh, make a book and uh, <laughs> hopefully there won't be a next time, but we have a guidebook for next time. And we'll be right back with Alderman Joe Volmer. And we are back on Politically Speaking with St. Louis Alderman Joe Volmer. And Joe, in addition to seeing this from the perspective of a small business owner, the coronavirus pandemic, you also have the privilege, I guess we could say this year, of uh, dealing with the city's budget. And just very quickly for those who may not be quite as familiar with the process, what is the role of the alderman in crafting the budget? Well, uh, I'm chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, the budget is originally drafted with Paul Payne, the budget director, uh, and it then goes through uh, ENA with you know the mayor, the comptroller, and the 
the board, president of the board. Uh, and that's estimate so, apportionment for those yes. who aren't quite as familiar with city hall, ling city hall lingo. <laughs> and by the time it gets to the board, uh, they've created uh, what they, you know, there's a set, this is the budget. Now this year, when they say this is the budget, they say this could be the budget because uh, just like the earnings tax we won't receive because uh, the president and the governor were delayed uh, payment of income tax till July 15th. So with that, you, we have money that we're not sure when, when it's, you know, uh, what it's going to be and when it, when it gets here. So it, everything is a very, very uh, fluid situation. I think I used it earlier to describe something, but it comes up much with this pandemic. So we're trying to guess every day, you know, where are we going to have this? Are we going to have that? Uh, so one of the big things that's coming out of this is they're talking about cutting award capital for aldermen. Uh, which we're trying to re recoup through some other other ways. But by the time it gets to my committee, uh, Paul makes his presentation. Uh, my committee and I, we listen. And at that point, we then take uh, all the department heads and let them come before us. And they've received this budget also. And they say that we need this. We have, you know, if this has been cut or we need to add this, we listen to all their demands. Uh, yesterday, we, we had, you know, uh, Parks and Forestry and the Street Department in uh, and Communications Division. Uh, we've already heard from the, the, the mayor, uh, the president of the board, and, and uh, we had health director in. And next week, there's, uh, I believe, six more departments coming in. When they give us their list of what they would like to add to their budgets, if they need it, then our committee gets together. And we basically take the pieces of the puzzle and we can move the puzzle around uh, if like forestries is needing uh, money this year to to help with all the tree trimmings and grass open lot cuttings and things that that was cut from their budget so we have to find a way uh, and many department heads are cognizant of the fact that money's tight and no one's really asking for much more this this year uh last two years ago we we had a we called the budget rocky road as far as, far as ice cream flavor last year was vanilla this year paul Payne called it cottage cheese it's uh <laughs> it's it, it'll, it'll get you by, but it's not what you really want to eat. <laughs> How bad is the best case scenario right now? What is the gap that Paul is telling you, this is how we have made it up and the parameters that you have to work within? Uh, it, it's, it, it's even hard for him to say. Uh, I'll be dead honest with you. It, it's a matter of uh, deficit between 88 to $100 million, you know, they're, they're talking about it. it, it the, it's, it's such a, a wide spectrum, they can't, they can't tell because sales tax is down uh, the, the, and the income tax has not come in yet. Really, it, it's, every time you turn around, there's a, there's a new, uh, new something that's not here yet. So uh, it, it's going to be a matter of tightening belts and it's, but it's not just St. Louis City, it's the whole world. I mean, everyone's been affected by this. It's even at, at where we were talking about my, myself as a businessman. It, it's not just uh, us. It's, it's everyone. And I'm sure there's places much worse off than we are. Uh, we do have a reserve in the city. Uh, we're discussing that at the meeting today. Uh, we're transferring some you know, money from the, the treasury budget to Alderman Boyd. Uh, with the traffic commission was, was key in getting a, an extra $5 million put into the budget, which is going to help us. With some things so yes it, it's it's the whole world is going through something and i think we, we have the right people in place currently that to help us paul Payne, uh, I, I don't know how he does that it, it's i'm not a numbers guy like he is it, it's uh, 
but the mayor's been taking some right steps and, and the comptroller's uh, very aware of this and we're, we're working hard. What is the biggest uncertainty right now? Is it just the speed of the economic recovery or what are some of the things that Paul and other numbers people are telling you, hey, this may cause XYZ problem down the line? Well, think of last year when you had the, the Blues go all the way through the Stanley Cup. You had the Cardinals go all the way to the, uh, into the playoffs. Just not having the Cardinals play the sales tax, the, the, the revenue, the hotel. I mean, the, the amount of it's staggering what the city's not getting. We actually had a little surplus at the end of last year that allowed us to do things uh, that had been backing up. Uh, we actually were able to take a million dollars of that surplus, and we had to private contract out to get trees trimmed. We went from one of the best years, all of a sudden there's extra money, we can do all these things. Uh, we're completing the, uh, the fiber optic web I believe it was $5 million we had to do that that will allow some parts of the city have never had you know, the, the fiber ring complete. So that, that allows for more cameras. So we're going from what was one of the greatest things that happened in a long time to now we have, what are we going to do now? So we have the money in place to do the things we planned last year, but planning for things next year, uh, as simple as paving a street or doing a sidewalk, uh, could be in danger. Are there things that you think the city could have done in the past, maybe adjusted spending somewhere, built up a reserve that would have maybe cushioned this a little bit? Obviously, this is beyond anyone's wildest dreams. But. Well, we have, I believe, and I forget exactly if it was 42 or $46 million in the reserve. Uh, and, you, and some of that has to stay there to keep our bonds uh, you know, protect us so, and our credit rating good, but there, there is money we can dip into, but it's uh, creative financing trying to, you know, to, to, to keep these things going. Uh, and again, there's, you know, the federal money, I believe the city received $35 million uh, from the, the money awarded to the state, uh, you know, for the, for the CARES, the CARES Act. And, and that's money that, you know, we'll spend it and, and be in work reimbursed for so to, to say that there's a you know god maybe now there will be a pandemic fund <laughs> but i don't believe anyone uh, could have foreseen this coming you know they, they kept talking about maybe there might be a recession but no we no one expected this at all more of a philosophical question but would you want to see the alders have a bigger say in the budget rather than just sort of working within the uh framework that uh, estimate and apportionment has come up with, maybe really have a chance to, to build the budget from the ground up? I guess that would depend upon who the alders are every year. <laughs> a lot of them, you know, would like to. I, I try to, what we're, we're setting up, uh, Paul does a, a quarterly report, which we're, we're privy to, uh, and we're, we're allowed to, you know, to get into his head and, and talk to him about those things. So technically, we, we, we can't have input in any time we want it. Uh, what, whether it's, uh, you know, legislative input, not at this point, but we, Paul's very open and, and he's been in the position for quite some time, understands it very well. And uh, I find that being chairman with him, uh, when there's a question, he's quite open you know, and getting any information you want out of him or charge graphs that we also have a, a very good uh, Dr. Gerard Hollins, who's on the board uh, as our financial expert. And uh, it, he's made life much easier for all uh, to understand. So at that point, yeah, 
some people have wanting, you know, when you talk about 28 different people wanting this and wanting that. 29 technically <laughs> with Lewis. Yeah, yes, it is. But everybody's going to have their little, their little wants and demands, but it's good to have somebody who doesn't have that need uh, with the budget director uh, to, to let's see, this is what you can and can't do. From the perspective of a city resident and elected official, what grade would you give the way that the city kind of as a whole has responded to this pandemic, not just sort of from the financial aspect of it, but um, responding overall? I, I've seen nothing but, but uh, good in, in all of this. Uh, and mostly, uh, I'll be very honest, the biggest good has come from the residents, how well they've adapted to these things. Uh, and they probably won't like the Photographer Park shutting down. The, the traffic through the park has been one of the most beautiful things in my life. It's like what the park was built for. And to see people using the park and staying their distance to, to people being cognizant and aware of, of the fact that, you know, treat everyone like they might have this and, and it might go away sooner has been the, the biggest thing where people uh, just feel that, you know, let's work on this together. It, it's been very rewarding to see people respond positively. I've only had maybe two people uh, in, in the, the two, past two months, you know, you know, calling me up saying, hey, this is a joke. You should open up. Let's fight this. And I'm going that that's just not proper, you know, until we can figure this thing out. It, it's best to just to, to keep these guidelines in, in, in place as close as we can. All right, that has been Alderman Joe Volmer of the 10th Ward. For all of our stories, you can go to stlpublicradio.org. I'm on Twitter, at R. Lipman. That's two Ps, two Ns. Alderman Volmer, are there any corners on the wor of the World Wide Web where you are lurking, where people might be able to find you? <laughs> I, I, you have my, my uh, Joe Volmer website, which is usually not too active unless there's an election year, but you can usually find everything about... Uh, me at milosbochigarden.com, uh, you know, Milo's Instagram, uh, Milo's Facebook. We keep up to date with everything that's going on in the neighborhood there. I, I don't Twitter. I don't <laughs> do those things. I'm very fortunate. But, and up till past few months, if someone wanted to find me, all they do is walk in the tavern. I'd be behind the bar. Until next time, everyone. So long. When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's some order. Bells will ring, tingle, ling, a ling, tingle, ling, a ling.